today on Ag News Daily. The markets do not react to reports. Funds do not react to reports. And we've seen this time after time. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today's Ag News Daily Podcast coming at you hot. I'm Mike Pearson, co-host of this journey into the world of agriculture, along with Delaney Howell. And Delaney, how you doing? Well, I'm doing much better than you are today, Mike. I tell you what. You know what? I'm actually doing fantastic. So, listeners, my phone fell out of my pocket and dropped onto the mower deck. Mm-hmm. And I it yeah. got stuck between the pulley and the deck, and it's grounded all up. And so I can only occasionally <laughs> catch a few buttons on the screen. And it's kind of a crapshoot as to which buttons work and when. Um, so, yeah. If you have tried to get a hold of me, I apologize. I meant to answer it. I looked at it longingly, and I just could not answer it. Literally, it would not let me hit the answer button. So. Yeah. For instance, one of the texts you sent out to us earlier said, my phone isn't working. Cookie board. Call me directly. Yeah, so it turns out one of the buttons that occasionally works is the Google Voice typing button. And so that was Google Voice's attempt to translate, phone isn't working, (laughs) keyboard broken, call me directly. (laughs) Well, I think, Mike, I think you might just need a new phone. (laughs) I do need a new phone. And I stopped at the Verizon store today, filed my insurance claim, and I have a new phone being overnight shipped. I will have it tomorrow. So tomorrow you'll be back and ready for action. Well, I don't know when it's coming tomorrow, oh, but okay. yes, tomorrow evening I should be. Okay. Okay. Well, you can just sit there in the peanut gallery then and offer your insight because you don't have any way to access news or anything either. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I have no Wi-Fi. I am an island out here on the farm. And I tell you what, I do have one piece of news okay. for our listeners who are interested in getting into the cattle industry. If you are looking for a place to do so... I now, as of this morning, have a fantastic property that's for sale. You can run about 300 fat cattle right here in Grinnell in East Central Iowa. Beautiful home. It's been, you know, kind of maintained for the past eight years, and it is currently for sale. Okay. Thanks for that, Mike. Yeah. His own yeah. little plug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's the point of having a nationwide audience if you don't get to use it for self-gain? Yeah, at some point, uh, okay. I suppose. So anyway, that's the news out of Grinnell, which is really all the news I have to report. Madison Honkamp, you're also on the podcast. What's your news today? (laughs) Well, I have some great news, Mike, that I saw today. And they are bringing goat yoga classes to the Iowa State Fair again. I'm really excited for this because I love goats. I showed goats in high school. And so they will be holding them August 12th, 14th, and 17th in the Paul R. Knapp Animal Learning Center. And the first 250 registered participants will receive an exclusive Iowa State Fair goat yoga mat. I would love to do goat yoga. I've seen a lot of people do it. Like, I know it's kind of strange, but I think it looks very fun. It looks so fun. They always do it at our historical center here Mm. in Winterset. Uh, And like the local studio does it. And I just think it looks so fun. I think Mike would do well in goat yoga. I would be so good at goat yoga. I'm so used to having animals poop on me. (laughs) I would rock goat yoga. Oh, too funny. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Well, in a little more serious news, um, (laughs) we finally kind of sort of got a timeline for when trade aid checks 
will be sent out to producers. That's, of course, based off of acreage reports and acreage numbers, and that's not coming out until August. But under Secretary Bill Norrie said that as soon as that gets calculated, they're committed to getting those payments out, and they're hoping by mid-August that they are able to get those checks sent out to producers. Another thing, of course, that we talked about last week is just the USDA's FSA offices in 12 different states had those deadlines extended for reporting your acreage, so they're also taking that into account, which I guess is pushing back the payments for farmers this year, but mid-August is their goal deadline right now. I'm glad they finally have a deadline for I think the it's trade a aid. flexible deadline. Yeah. I think every deadline coming from mm. the government's flexible, but You're right they have money. something. Yes. Um, but yeah, speaking- it's progress. At least folks know that it is still going to be coming. Yes, it's still going to be coming. It's not canceled. We don't know how much you're going to get or how that rate is calculated yet. But hopefully here within the next, I don't know, couple of weeks, if they're shooting for mid-August, it's already mid-July. So you'd think they've got to release that information soon. Yeah, sooner rather than later, I think is the case there. Undersecretary Bill, let's get some dates out there, buddy. Yeah, let's get some dates out there. Well, another thing that I saw today in the headline was Hurricane Barry, which I don't think it was ever considered a hurricane. It was kind of weakened to a trop or is considered a tropical depression now, but it is still dumping rain on Louisiana and on the the Gulf um, shores, and it's really affecting exports, um, especially soybean, cotton, and sugarcane fields in Louisiana were are now flooded and they're just seeing lots of devastation down there. Yes, and I think now we're probably going to start seeing some of that rain and inclement weather move northward, I think would mm-hmm. be the path it would take. Yes, def probably. I I think that's how weather works. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> You never really know. Ed Valley back on and and have him explain how weather works. (laughs) Yes, but I think uh, especially the Mississippi River and the barge traffic there, major slowdowns going on along Mm -hmm. there. As you mentioned there, Madison, it's a major exporting area, so exports are um, definitely going to get backed up, and it's going to increase costs for exports as well. Yes, definitely, and it's not even just exports or agriculture obviously being affected, but they were having lots of other issues like sewage backups and swarming mosquitoes. So Hmm. definitely keep everybody down in that region um, in your thoughts. Yes, absolutely. And since you're talking about sewer water, this isn't a great segue, but uh, (laughs) water has been a major issue here for producers over the past couple of years, especially after we saw the Obama administration put in their version of Waters of the U.S. The EPA, as of today, has sent its final rule to the White House for review to repeal the Obama agencies or the Obama administration's WOTUS rules. And the rule is the first step in a two-step repeal and replace process So this is just one step of two, but they're hoping to have the whole process repealed and done by December of this year. 
Well, hopefully they do it right this time, and uh, the new version actually makes it through the court system. Yes, that is the hope. Yes. Interesting. Well, and another thing today that did make it through the court system was that the EPA on Friday approved a wider use of sulfoxaflor. Um, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but for crops including cotton and sorghum, um, it was pulled from shelves in 2015 after a federal court ruled that the EPA didn't properly assess the risk it posed to honeybees. Um, but on Friday, it was reviewed that new research had found that sulfoxaflor, um, when used according to label directions, poses no threat to human health and significantly lowers risk to bees, birds, fish, and other wildlife um, than other pesticides. So, we might be seeing more of that coming into the market for pesticides for crops. Yes, that's right. That was uh, just past, I think, last Friday. So, mm-hmm. yep. Well, for those folks that have had to file a Chapter 12 bankruptcy, we just say, saw a bipartisan bill last week passed, which is going to raise the debt amount covered under those Chapter 12 bankruptcies to $10 million. It was approved last week by the House Judiciary Committee, and they are looking to expand the entire bankruptcy rules now that farm sizes and land values have grown because that debt cap, I think it was $5 million, was originally set back in 1980, and so they're just trying to, tried to change things related to the time and day and inflation and all that stuff, but I know Chapter 12 bankruptcies have impacted quite a few dairy producers, so we are seeing that debt covered to a higher amount as well. So a little bit of good news there. Not really good news because if you're going into file chapter 12, that's not exciting, but more of that debt will be covered. But that it's good news that the debt will be covered. Yes. Yep. So the only other piece of news I had for today was talking about African swine fever. Mike and I are going to dive into the markets here with Darren Newsom in just a little bit. Talking about African swine fever as well as other things impacting the commodity markets, but latest Chinese reports show that in the first six months of the year here, China produced 24.7 million metric tons of pork, down about 5.5% from the year before, and their hog herd has declined about 15% from a year ago. However, Reuters is reporting that figures from their agricultural ministry and whatnot are not quite high enough. Reuters is saying that they think the herd, through some of the research and investigation they've done, has actually shrunk 25% and not 15%. So a little bit of discrepancy there as well comes as no surprise, though. Yeah, definitely. Especially since, I mean, we kind of had that issue with China not really reporting the full news for African yep. swine fever. Absolutely, so. Madison. You're spot on there. So do you mm-hmm. have any other news for today? I don't. Okay. Mike, I know you don't have any news. So let's <laughs> hop over. I, it is sunny and it is warm uh-huh. across East Central Iowa. Here's your local weather update. But no, other than Delaney, I got nothing. But I'm always interested to hear what Darren Newsom has to say about the markets. I am too. But before we get to Darren Newsom, let's hop through and look at the closes for today. Rip this Band-Aid off. Not pretty. 
not pretty closes today in the grain markets. But of course, our commodity markets are sponsored by the Zaner Group now, as always. And you can reach them, any one of them, including Mike, when his phone is fixed. But if you just want to give the Zaner Group a call today at 312-277-0050, they've got a great team in place there to help you protect and figure out a marketing strategy that works for your operation. Starting off here in the September corn contract, down 13 and a quarter cent today to end at 4.41, while the December cut 12 and a quarter cent to end at 4.47 even. In the soybean pits, the August contract dropped 11 and a half cents to close at 9.01 and three quarters. November new crop soybeans cut 11 and a half cents to close at 9.20 even. In the wheat pits, September contract down 15 and a quarter to end at 5.07 and three quarters. The December shed 15 cents today to close at 5.20. In the livestock markets, a bit of mixed signals here with the August live cattle contract gaining two cents on the day to end at 108.50, while the October cut 20 cents to close at 109.77 and a half. In the feeder cattle pits, green on the screen for the August contract up five cents to close at 141.65. The September up five cents as well to close at 142.60. In the lean hog contract, the July contract cut 27.5 cents today to close at 70.75. And the August shed 55 cents to close at 80.10. Running out our markets, of course, with our dairy class 3 milk producing friends. The July contract dropped a penny to close at 17.34. The August down 11 cents to close at 17.44. And without further ado, let's turn it over to our conversation with market analyst Darren Newsom. Well, of course, it is Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. And to help us break down the markets for today is Darren Newsom of Darren Newsom Inc., also known, known as DNA or DNI. Darren, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Delaney. How are you? I am pretty good, pretty good, but the markets are not so good today, Darren. Break it down for us. What happened today in the grain markets? Lots of red on the screen. Yeah, you, you, you put it right with, you know, we're talking about breaking down. Um, you know, Friday looked to be just a normal old-fashioned weather market where, you know, we, we were facing forecasts of, you know, for the next 10 to 14 days of triple digits, and it was going to be hot and dry everywhere across the Corn Belt, Western Corn Belt, Eastern Corn Belt. And so we saw the normal reaction on Friday. So we get some rain clouds form. We saw a few rains over parts of Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, and so on over the weekend. We get Hurricane Barry, which is now just, you know, shortly thereafter was a tropical storm come on shore, didn't really damage, it really didn't hit New Orleans uh, as some of the fear had been in the soybean market. And it's moving northeast now up into the Midwest, bringing with it some rain. So, you know, so we had the forecast, on the hot, dry forecast on Friday. We had some rain over the weekend and projecting some more rain in the eastern Corn Belt now this week. The market just came right back down. Um, I don't see any huge shift. Certainly some things to watch in here when it comes to spreads and forward curves. Uh, you know, we did see a good deal of commercial selling today, but I, I don't see a huge shift right now in any of the fundamentals, any of the you know, long-term supply and demand situations. Darren, well, let's talk technicals for a second. Watching that D's corn right. chart, 
we had quite a head and shoulders formation forming. What does today's activity do to that? Is this confirmation of head and shoulders and now we're, we're looking at a bearish outlook? Well, and I talked about that on the site today, and, and I talked about how there, were, there was a lot of folks that were pointing at this head and shoulders in the Deuce Coin Daily chart, and there's a couple problems with it. One was that the right shoulder joint came down below the left shoulder joint, so that kind of nullifies the idea of a classic head and shoulders pattern. Secondly, oh. on a, it, secondly it was on a daily chart, and you know, it, you know, we've all talked before about my, my Goldilocks principle where you can't always believe you can't you can be overly influenced by what you see on uh, on the daily charts and based on this goldilocks principle what you see on daily charts is too hot what you see on monthly charts is too cold but weekly charts are just about right so you know i i, I kind of argued with some folks in the past that you know, this really wasn't a head and shoulders pattern and even if it was i would put more faith in it if it was on a weekly chart uh, it wasn't. It was on daily, and it, there was all kinds of things going on. Now, does today actually change anything technically? We see we call it a spike reversal. We could call it this, call it that, call it everything else. The weekly, the the trend on the, the secondary trend on the weekly chart is still down. Going back to that top that we put in something like what, what, 448 or I don't know 468, whatever it was. Uh, that top still holds. So it still looks like we have a secondary downtrend on the weekly chart while the long-term trend for these corn still up. So I, I don't see any huge change in those patterns. You know, this, this market looks like it might've gotten a little bit overbought it here, backed off a little bit. We saw some commercial selling coming out of the weekend. It could all change tomorrow. And we could see the same groups who are selling today, jump right back in and start buying. So, the really long answer to your short question, I didn't see the head and shoulders, at least not on that chart. I do see one on the weekly chart for the Deist July, and I talked about that uh, in the, on the side today in the Deist July spread. That's more of a concern to me because that does indicate if followed through on a, a long-term change in supply and demand. Darren, I know it's no surprise to anybody that you're not a reports guy, but are you placing any <laughs> stock in the August report that's going to come out with some acreage and, and maybe a change in yield. Are you placing any stock in that report? I'm going to let you answer that question. Okay. For me, Delaney. Well, <laughs> let me ask you this then, Darren, because a lot of folks have said we're probably just going to stay in a range here until that report comes out. The markets react to the reports. Whether or not they should, no, they we don't. can leave that. No, they don't. They don't. No, they don't. No, and this is what I spent most of last week talking about, and this is what was absolutely fascinating to me, and I don't care if 99.9% .9 of the industry disagrees with me, they have every right to be wrong. The markets do not react to reports. Funds do not react to reports. And we've seen this time after time. You know, people go on all these shows and say, you know, the markets need to change. The markets need to change. They need to understand USDA's process. They need to do this. They need to do that. No, they don't. What the market is looking at, what funds are looking at, is private data up to the minute, up to the second, data that is being fed into these algorithms that tell them what real-time conditions are, what real-time acreage situations are, what real-time yield potential is. Not these made-up, fictitious numbers that come from the USDA, numbers that in the own, their own text, they say, these are wrong, we're going to resurvey, we're going to re-guess another, another month down the road. 
funds are not paying attention to USDA. Funds do not pay attention to USDA anymore. It's very clear, particularly after last week. That's just not the case. Okay. So, so Darren. Oh, go ahead, Delaney. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, everybody in the trade, it seems like, is waiting for this August report to see what the USDA does with acreage, what they do with yield. And they've, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people saying that this is going to be hopefully what breaks us out of this range-bound trading that we've been having. But, Darren, if we're not paying attention to the report, what is there that can break us out of this 420 to 450 trading range? Delaney, I'm waiting on Publicist Clearinghouse to knock on my door, too, and that's <laughs> not going to happen. Um, we have the same things that we always have. And see, here's the big, here's the big um, issue. Well, not the big, but a big issue that people think they need these numbers. And they absolutely, unequivocally, do not need these numbers to be able to trade, to quote-unquote break themselves out of ranges, this, that, and everything else. Always it's so funny. This entire industry likes to say how independent it is, free market this, free market that. And they all want to hinge every movement, every moment on coming, being driven by USDA. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. What do we have in front of us? We have the future spread. They just talked about how the Dece July is looking a little bit scary right now. So let's keep an eye on that Dece July forward coach uh, future spread. Let's look, at the, let's look at what the money's doing in the market itself by looking at the trend of things. If we see the, mar- uh, if we see the trends coming down, we know money's coming up. Do we know why? No. But we know what, and that what is money's coming out. If we see the future spread starting to change, we see the carry starting to come in, do we know why? Is it acreage? Is it yields? Is it weather? Is it pestilence? Is it anything? We don't know, but we know the what. We know the commercials are selling. That's all we need to know. We need to know the what is going on. The why is irrelevant. The numbers are irrelevant. And I don't, again, I don't care if 99.9% of the industry wants to be those lemmings going off the cliff. That's fine. The other little percent can actually pay attention to what's going on. Well, Darren, then why don't you tell us a little bit about what is happening in the spread picture in the soybean market? Soybean market just is not as bullish as what we see in the corn. And recently, we've seen the no July forward curve, future spread, if you will, strengthening its carry. And it was a bit of a concern. On Friday, we saw that change just a little. We saw a little bit of the carry come out. But it's still more bearish long term than what we're seeing in, than what we're seeing in, in the corn market. And so this is always in the back of my head that, you know, the long-term commercial traders are still bearish this or not bearish, but they're just not, they're just not buying into all this garbage that, you know, we're going to run out of soybeans, this and that and everything else. The reality is it's not as tight as what everyone wants it to be. And that's why the market continues to struggle pushing higher. Am I saying, am I saying that it won't go higher someday? No because these spreads could change. Something could dramatically change, and, and, you know, for whatever reason. But right now, that, that, that forward curve continues to bother me. The fact that we did break it down quite a ways, we were able to recover a little bit, and now we've got some pressure building in it again. So if we see this next leg, now we're talking about a pretty healthy carry uh, in, the, in, the, in the no July, I don't have it in front of me right now, but in the no July spread, that's covering about, 40% full commercial carry, and that's using 
CME's revised storage rates of eight cents per bushel per month. But if we just look at if we were still using the standard five cents, we would probably talk like we like we had up through this year. We'd probably be talking again about the sixty seventy percent full commercial carry, and that is bearish. So it's only the the, the CME changing uh, its uh, storage rates for the new crop market that's made this thing. It's made soybeans look a little bit more bullish than what they probably really are. Darren, I want to take it over into the livestock markets. I want to talk live cattle here first. I've got kind of a two-part question for you. First of all, have we put in a bottom for live cattle, or have we seen, hopefully, the end of that? And secondly, why are we seeing a little bit of a premium built in here into the December contract? I think we've, I think we've put in a bottom. I really like the weekly chart on the August live cattle and for what that's worth for, for the August feeders as well. So I like both those charts. August Live are coming up, and they're testing out some some resistance up around the 109.30 mark, somewhere in there. Um, so we could see a little – we could start to ease back a little bit. Now, as for going out to the December, let's see. We're sitting at about a $6 difference right now. I need to go back and compare that to what it normally is. Uh, maybe not a huge difference from norms. Uh, normally we start to see, you know, when we get to the August contract, we are at the end of our summer buying season or, you know, growing season. Unfortunately, you can see the end of it uh, once you get involved with the August contract. And uh, once we start dealing with the DEEF and the Feb contracts, we're talking about potential weather issues and so on. Do I think that we're going to see a tightening of the supply and demand situation after this winter? No. You know, Catalan feed reports have been very consistent here recently over the last, what, 12 to 18 months. So I don't think we're all of a sudden really going to start getting tight on supplies, but I think what we're seeing in those deep subcontracts is just the normal seasonal patterns where we, we start to build some winter uh, winter weather into the markets. Okay. Now, Darren, I want to jump into the hog market. Uh, you have said repeatedly, if you want to go insane, trade hogs. They have a mind of their own. We've seen that run up in the ASF scare earlier this year, then the volatile sell-off on the downside. How mm-hmm. do you interpret a market as volatile and is, t- from the outside looking in, seemingly not doesn't care about the spreads, doesn't care about futures curves. Hogs are their own deal. How do you analyze that market? Uh, with a hazmat suit and, you know, using as much distance between myself and that market as possible. I used to have folks that wanted to trade this market. <laughs> uh, and I always just shuddered every time that they put in an order because I knew, I just knew it was always, regardless if it was right or wrong, it was going to end badly. And that's just, that's just the hog market. But I, when I'm doing... I still use the same things that I always use. I, you know, I'm looking at the weekly trends. I'm looking at the the spreads, just as we talked about in the cattle. The spreads are different in the livestock markets in that, you know, we just talked about the August the beast having a live cattle having like a $6 carry. Uh, but that may or may not be overly bullish, depending on what the standard, what the, what the normal move is, what the normal spread is between those two contracts, taking into account their different seasons. Very similar in the hog. You just got to give them so much room. I mean, every time you see, every time I go out there and say, and it's been on the program with both of you over the course of the years, I'll say, oh, you know, it looks like, you know, it looks like we posted this on, on the charts, and so hogs are going to turn. And the next thing you know, they blow up in your face. You just have to realize that's what hogs are going to do. If I'm looking at the hog chart right now for what it's worth on a Monday in mid-July, 
it looks to me like we have put a load in on this August contract. Now, we need to see some commercial buying coming into this market. We need to see it continue to find some support. We need to see that demand. Livestock are still so reliant on the cash market where in the grains, futures generally drive cash. So we've, you know, we really need to see continued support. We've got all this bearish news still uh, hanging over our head in the hog market, in, in the pork industry as a whole. But as far as the futures go, we just need to see, we just need to see that commercial buying coming in and the non-commercial or the fund money should follow. All right, Darren Newsom, before we let you go, how can folks get a hold of you, read some of the commentary that I'm sure it's just the most positive commentary they've ever read. How can they uh, find that and access that? Well, it's, they, they can find me at uh, darrennewsome.com, a uh, website uh, for it's the website for, for business, Darren Newsom Analysis, Inc. Uh, they can get on there. They can sign up for the seven-day free trial. Uh, and that allows them to take a look, you know, at, uh, at the commentary, the analysis, the charts, the, you know, everything that I post over the course of the day, the week, the month, whatever it might be. So uh, by all means, I invite them to do that. They can get a hold of me on Twitter. Uh, I'm easy to find is Darren Newsom. They can get a hold of me on Twitter as well. So I always look forward to visiting with folks about these markets. Absolutely. Darren Newsom, thank you so much for visiting with us today. All right. Well, thanks for having me on again. Well, there we go, folks. You know, it is always great to hear Darren's perspective. Look at what the market is telling you, not necessarily what the talking heads are telling you. Yes. Well, Darren also has his own his own thought process on things. So, Right. Right. He does. And that's he looks at the market. You know, he doesn't listen to what the people say. Right. Right. Well, uh, let's see. Other... Um, ways in which people can hear what the talking heads are saying, which is what you get, of course, in media, namely the Ag News Daily mm -hmm. Podcast. Madison, where can people go to listen to our episodes? Well, Mike, if people want to keep hearing us talk, they can always find us at globalagnetwork.com slash agnewsdaily. But if they also just want to interact with us on social media, they can always find us at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fantastic. Check that out. And uh, with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.